Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. Good morning, everybody. I'm Nick Slavic. I'm the proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. I'm also the host of this show, Ask a Painter Live. It is a weekly live Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, sometimes TikTok show uh, where we talk about the life of a master craftsperson and how to run a paint business and how a home service business, things like that. So um, today kind of brings to an end the Mastering the Basics series, right? We're, we're in mid-January right now. Um, November, December, January, I typically go through all these steps to professionalization. So many of you have this document here. This is something where Jason Paris and I put our head together years ago, and we basically annotated all the steps that we did from going from zero to as many other people as you want. Um, this list is also great if you're going to be a solopreneur, a single owner operator, master craftsperson for the rest of your life, because if you do these steps, you're going to have more solidification in your business and you're going to just make more money and have less headaches. So it's an, it's an awesome thing, folks. Um, so today we're going to go back through those This is kind of the summary episode. We have a lot of fun things happening. We'll talk about some events coming up. Um, we're coming up on the 400th show of Ask a Painter. Uh, so I have a special surprise for you guys with all of that. And as always, my favorite thing on earth is to um, is to answer live Q&A. So right now, uh, I'll, I'll pause a few times during the show, but right now, everybody watching on all the platforms, do me the biggest favor on earth, the kindest thing you can do. Um, you've already left reviews. You've already become a PCA member. You've already uh, decided to join me at Expo right down here. Like and share this show. Follow along with Ask a Painter on all the platforms and share it in your feed. Uh, Instagram people, share it in your feed, share it in your story. Facebook people, get it in your story, get it in your feed, share it to the Painter Facebook groups. It doesn't cost you a thing. It only takes a second. You can watch the live stream and share it out. It is the kindest thing you can ever do for me. And it brings more people like us together with this. So uh, housekeeping first, we'll get to some events here. Um, we have the Expo coming up. This is our Super Bowl, right? It is an amazing event. It is in Orlando. It's a week-long event. Uh, typically, the education is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then we have a charity event Friday. Um, it's an amazing time. There is uh, you know, the I'm showing you the PCA's website right now, and there's an incredible, incredible amount of benefit that comes from doing this. Um, about six or seven years ago, I went to my first one. And literally, my life has changed. Like it's it's one of the most amazing experiences you'll ever have. Which is, think about all the viewers of Aspen or all our friends in the industry. These connections we have, all in one place, one place, sharing best practices. We have outside vendors come in. We have a monster trade show with all the people you love: Sherwin, Benjamin Moore, PPG, Bear, Graco, Titan. I mean, all Surf Prep, all those people there. The actual humans there, where you can talk with them intermingle, learn best practices, things like that. And he was playing now of these insane social gatherings in the evenings. Each of our champion sponsors, uh, Sherwin-Williams, Benjamin Moore, and others takes a night and they put on some of the most lavish social 
parties and get togethers you have ever seen. They support the industry in a monstrous way. And I would urge you to not miss those things because going to a really cool party is awesome. But with a thousand of your friends in the industry where you get to have these deep conversations for hours at a time, and it's really an amazing experience. So again, folks, the kindest thing you can do for me as your board chair of the PCA, I am a servant leader. I'm volunteering in this role. We're trying to professionalize the industry. The kindest thing you can ever do for me is to join the PCA and join me at Expo. I can personally guarantee you, your life will be changed by this. And it certainly did that to me. All the things that you guys know me for, I got from the PCA and from going to Expos. All right. I love the comments. I'm seeing all the questions and everything else coming in. I'm going to go back through those and uh, we're going to answer some questions. Uh, good morning. Oh, we got BTA watching on Instagram. Good morning. Breakthrough Academy. Love you guys. Uh, you actually coached me uh, for a period of my time when I really, really needed you guys. So thank you for that. Uh, you guys are a world-class coaching organization there. Thank you for that. Everybody else, drop your comments, uh, questions in, uh, in the comments here, and I'll get to a one-by-one. I'm going to give a brief show summary, and then we're going to uh, jump into a bunch of your questions here. I love it. I'm already seeing all these here. I love Q&A more than anything. So what you guys are seeing right now on Instagram and on Facebook is my steps to professionalization. So these are things that I know to be true of how to grow your business from one person to somebody else or how to professionalize a single owner operator business, right? So there are some truisms and some things I keep hearing in the industry, which is I want to do really good work. I want to make a lot of money. I want to build a little freedom machine that gives me both time and money freedom. Um, I may want to hire people. I may want to get off the ladder, get out of the brush, uh, get out of the can, uh, things like that. And, and that's fine. But usually we have where we are now, which is single owner operator. I'm a really good painter. I can't find a painting company to work for. So I started my own business. And then there's this dream of running a big professional organization where all your people are proud of what you're doing. It's clockwork. There's lots of profit, things like that. Most people never connect those two things. They, they just assume that I'm going to paint super hard and fast. And eventually this will happen. And if you don't take the proper steps, to bridge that gap between those two things, you're just going to live in this trough of anxiety uh, for the better part of your life. So my contribution to the industry, along with others who help me with this, is steps to professionalization. And this document, uh, if you email me in the in the show post, I always give my email address. For those of you who don't have this already, I've been giving this out for years and years and years, updating every time we have a show. If you email me, I will send this to you. It's actually got hyperlinks. So what you're seeing here on the left-hand screen is that. And so when we say mastering the basic standards and deliverables, there's a hyperlink to that actual show. So now we're going meta, meta, meta. You're seeing the actual show where I talk about that step and then offer you the uh, resources from that step. So I want you guys to know that this is this is like the Wikipedia of how to grow and professionalize your business. And I not only have links to all the specific shows, but there's a whole bunch of resources. So down at the bottom, there's other helpful resources, which is the PCA Business Accelerator. This is the PCA business training that Jason Paris and I uh, instigated years ago that basically takes the steps to professionalization and has a whole video series. You put a cohort together of eight to 10 of your uh, peeps in there and you get some basic, no-nonsense 
um, coursework on how to like, it just lays the foundation for your business training. And then we connect you with people like Chris Moore, a business coach, uh, BTA, things like that. And that those are the people that can actually take you through the steps of everything else. But the business accelerator and the business foundations and the business legacy training is, um, uh, is an amazing uh, sort of a deep dive with other people to get you started on this process. And I see your guys' questions coming in. I'll get there in a second. That is the business accelerator. Also, uh, a thing that I would recommend to everybody is the book Traction. This is a book that coincides with everything that I do because I followed this book when I was growing my business. I just put a link in there to the book in case you guys ever want that there. There is some other shows too. Um, I read the book Grit years ago and it was amazingly helpful to sort of get me through some of the uh, tougher phases of, uh, of growing the business. So I have an entire show on grit, superordinate goals, things like that. And again, hyperlinks to everything here. One of the favorite shows I've ever done on Ask a Painter is a show about simplicity because often, oh, there's my little puppy Sig. Oh my God. I didn't know that he was in that video. So simplicity is a beautiful thing because a lot of times us as business owners, we overcomplicate everything and we just make our lives pure hell because of that simplicity in everything we do, every steps of, every one of the steps of professionalizations is an amazing thing. So I, I give you a whole show on my treatise on simplicity, right? We also have my closing speech at last year's expo. Uh, I got a little teary eyed at the last of that one. And uh, it was a very meaningful thing to me. And uh, it, it really tells you where our industry has been, where it is now and where it's going and my hopes of what drives me for the future. And then of course you have uh, me and Jason, me and Jason Paris giving our treatise on uh, on a similar thing like that. This is actually a talk at the expo we did. It's sort of a Laurel and Hardy sort of thing, but uh, it's a very meaningful thing. It's an hour and a half long where Jason and I give our deep thoughts about all this stuff. So there's a whole bunch of fun links in there for you guys. So let's let's go through a recap and then we're going to go through. Oh, man. Thanks for everybody for watching. We got lots of people on here this morning. Uh, again, this is the Mastering the Basics recap show. We've gone through all the steps to professionalization. We give updated treatises on that. We have given you all the resources for them. And I am here today to answer any questions you have about any of the steps. If anything was unclear, if you're having trouble implementing something, if you don't know where to start, if you don't know how to do something, that's what this is for. Put all your comments, uh, all your questions in the comment sections here on Instagram, on Facebook, all that other good stuff. And I will get to them here. Let's just go through the steps to professionalize, professionalization quickly. And then we will go through all your questions here. So number one, I'm a firm believer that proven process should be number one, which is before you even take on anybody, before you start, um, before you start a, even a, a, a marketing plan to get more work, you want to be able to look a client in the face and know which paint, which primer, which process goes where to have a proven process. You want your systems dialed in because if you start hiring people and start on your metric based bidding system and you have paint failures, it's going to drag you out of that pure chaos and you're just going to want to give up. So number one, you have to document all your processes via SOPs. You have to test them all. You have to make sure you look a client in the face and guarantee them a certain result, right? Step two, estimating process. Now that you got your systems down, you want a metric based bidding system. So a lot of this is based on job costing and things like that, but you got to just keep track of material. You got to keep track of labor, what you charge, and if a job ended up well or not, and then you have some decisions to make. If jobs don't end up well, it's not always because of pricing. Number one, you could have painted better or faster, right? You could also increase your price. 
you could also do both of those things. So it's kind of a, uh, this is what business owners are really good at, which is there's not a step-by-step -step instruction of how to give you the perfect price job. You, if you want to put your big boy and big girl pants on and be a business owner, these are things you're just going to have to figure out. It may not seem fair. It may not seem right, but these are the things you have to figure out if you want to be a business owner. It can be frictiony. It can not feel good. You can say, oh, well, I'm not good at that. Too bad. You start a business. These are the things you have to do, right? So in that, we have marketing. We have production rates. Step number three, deliverables and standards. This is probably, arguably, one of the toughest ones to implement. It's the most meaty, and it's the toughest one to see through because this has to be done every day, constantly, in micro doses for the rest of your life. Christian, Moose Painting, my buddy, watching on Instagram. Love you, dude. We just spent some time in Boston together, and uh, we presented. Uh, first time me and him presented master's classes together, and that was absolutely awesome. So thanks for watching, man. Appreciate you. Um, this is the tough one. So this is this is like what makes a professional company, the real meat and potatoes of it right here. Job descriptions, pay scales, goal setting and review, work orders, employee handbooks, and accountability, things like that. Now, you could argue if you're going to be a solopreneur, master craftsperson, lifestyle business the rest of your life, you may not need all these things. I would argue you should still be writing down your job description because whether you like it or know it, marketing has to happen, legal has to happen, HR has to happen, IT has to happen in a business. All those things have to exist. Now, they may be small and not take a lot of your time, but they still do exist, right? And I'm going to get to all your guys' questions and comments here. I see them all coming in. I absolutely love all this stuff. The next one is job costing. This is the big one. This is like literally if I could wave the magic wand over the industry and change one thing, it would be that everybody was forced to job cost each project when it's done. Job costing is nothing more than... Um, Alloc uh, uh, figuring out materials and labor for each job and then comparing them to a benchmark to see if you actually did good or bad. 99% of all paint businesses in the United States run on a feelings-based system, right? Where we do good work and we have a happy client and we're super happy except we're broke. And now a new stress comes in, money, money stress. Job costing will make sure your clients are happy, make sure you're doing good work, but then also make sure your nest is feathered so that you can continue doing businesses, right? Goal tracking is a big one. Uh, this is one where I had some of the most interaction ever because we did this in December and uh, people love starting off with goals and things like that. I have a very simple way of tracking goals. It's a lot of no nonsense, no duh kind of stuff, but it's uh, it's a super important thing because remember, I'm a painter right now. I want to run a big organization and not paint every day. Goal tracking, that is a goal. I want to have a big organization. You have to back that up through steps that says, what has to happen this day or this week in order to reach that goal later? And this is uh, the book Traction really, really helps with this. And one thing that I repeated a few times in Boston, which uh, Jason Paris said to me this last year, and, and it's, you know, you have these encounters with people and they say some things. Sometimes they're very simple, but sometimes they're very profound. He said something to me last year. He says lots of things to me, and, and a lot of them are very meaningful. This one was even more meaningful than, than usual from him. And it stuck with me and it's actually become the theme of this year and probably the rest of my professional life, which is you will always overestimate what you can accomplish in a week and you will underestimate what you can accomplish in a year. And what that means is we always think we're going to conquer the world in one week, right? And then we don't, then we get discouraged and we don't do anything. But we always underestimate what can be accomplished by doing small, simple, minute things over and over and over every day at the end of the year. So the thinking is, listen, I got a to-do list. I, my routine is writing out my to-do list every day. 
every morning uh, after I go on a walk. And it, it, it just, it, the process of actually writing those down is very meaningful to me as a human. And then every day I pick three things that I would like to get done. And sometimes it's like, well, that's easy. I'll knock all those things out. It's not always easy as you think. So imagine if you accomplish three important things every day for the entire year, there's 261 working days in a year. If you're a sucker and you work five days a week, right? 200 to 201 working days. If you work four day work weeks, imagine if you have 261 days and you accomplish three things a day, that's over 750 things accomplished at the end of the year. So number one, we will, un we will overestimate what we think we can accomplish in a day or a week. We will underestimate what we can accomplish in a year by like serial killer ish consistency of small, mundane, simple things all the time. Oh my God. I absolutely love this. We're seeing a lot of comments coming through last step in, in this whole thing is team development, which is again, now you've got a proven process. You got an estimating process. You got marketing. You've got all this foundational stuff like employee resource guides and pay scales and goal setting and reviews. You're tracking all your goals. Now you have to develop your team. And this is a really meaty one too, because all the friction in these businesses comes from the humans, clients and employees. When I say friction, it's not always negative. Dealing with this many humans, this many variables, it, it takes a true manager and leader to do this. If I'm being honest, most paint business owners are just not set up to do this. We're very good master craftspeople and we're forced to start businesses because we can't find anywhere good to work with. Most paint business owners don't do well with accountability either, right? They have way more of an employee mentality than they do a business owner mentality. So developing your team is something that's going to be very frictiony for almost everybody, right? Even in Fortune 500 companies, a true manager, somebody who can manage the day-to-day -day tasks, inspire the people, hold them accountable, reach some goals is a pretty magical thing. It's a pretty magical thing. So I don't want you to think that, well, team development, well, this is, we got to get a bunch of people and have pizza parties and you are going to be sadly mistaken. You're going to be sadly mistaken. It's a, it's a, it is so much more deep than that. And I don't think it's the thing that can be solved because managers and leaders have to constantly develop. And then the ground shifts underneath them every once in a while, right? The economy will change. The thoughts on employment will change. COVID will happen. Things like that. Everything shifts and changes. So I think this is a lifelong pursuit. All right. So let's get back to some questions now. I've been really hankering to do this. Uh, Christian Moose Painting. Love you, dude. Appreciate all our time together in Boston. It's always good to see you and your wife. Much appreciated, man. Okay. In the, uh, let's go back to Facebook. All right. Good morning, everybody. Seeing lots of familiar names here. David Delgado, Astrid. Good to see you guys. Dustin Hutchinson. Ah, here we go. What's been the most effective advertising platform? The unsatisfying answer to that is the one where you're intentional you're consistent, you track all the data, and then you uh, are, are just consistent with posting, right? So here's the deal. At different sizes of businesses, it's going to be different. The two most effective advertising platforms that I've had are um, direct mail, but uh, so I get the most leads from that, but they're the most expensive leads, right? And word of mouth, repeat and referral. And that's not a satisfying thing because that's an organic thing I've built over 15 years. So here's the deal. Um, the answer to this uh, sounds unsatisfying, but is actually very satisfying, which is I do about, uh, I touch about 13 different places every week. And a lot of them, I just use my effort, not money. Um, most people, what they want to hear when a question is asked like this is I want to spend 500 bucks a month and get all the leads in the world. I want somebody else to handle it for me. I don't want to deal with it. I don't understand what's going on. That is not going to happen, right? I have taken my 
marketing spend down 60% year over year, and we've never had more leads because I've substituted my effort. So right now, honestly, this is this question is going to be different. If you have a $3 million business like me, you're going to have to touch about 13 different things, do it twice a week, be consistent, post every day, comments every day, uh, monitoring direct mail, monitoring Google AdWords, doing email campaigns and all this other stuff. If you're a single owner operator, the most effective form of advertising, I assume to get leads, is going to be reaching into your network and asking for estimates. It's it, it It's free. It only takes your time and it will actually produce the best results. Going to past clients will also do that as well. Um, typically, a single owner operator who doesn't have a lot of um, uh, history in their business, they don't have a big, um, a widespread known name like that. Just going on Facebook and dumping a hundred bucks into it is going to get you almost zero, right? And but that, but that's what we want to work. Uh, dumping a whole bunch of money in Google AdWords will likely not work for you. As a business owner, you need to be a problem solver. And the problem you need to solve is leads early on. The best way to solve that is with your effort, getting out there and asking for them. I'm going to be upfront and honest with you. Most people aren't going to do that. And then they're still going to be commenting on here. And Dustin, this is not you. I'm just using your question as a platform. Most people are going to say, I need leads. And they're looking for a magic Facebook or Instagram or Google answer for that. And even when they dump some money in there, they don't get it. Even though they know how to actually get leads and get jobs, which is get out there and ask for it. If your family's going to starve, I would print off flyers. I would go door to door. I would knock on every door and ask who needs a free estimate. If you really want it, you're going to get out there and go get it. So good morning, Tony Joseph, Mark Bamba. Good. Uh, happy new year. Anthony Cade. Good friend. Thanks for posting that old picture of us too, man. That, that was very meaningful. I like that a lot. Uh, David, do you believe it's important to invest in an online marketing campaign as well as as a business making 500 K annually? Uh, and what are some of the, oop, your question. Oh, there we go. And what are some of the marketing practices you have deployed? Yeah. So here's the deal folks. Um, at the, I may have been a unique situation. My family's been known for painting 40 or 50 years in this town. I split off from my own family business. Um, up until I was about 500 K everything was word of mouth, right? But I'd been around for five or 10 years at that point. Um, here's the deal folks. There are tons of marketers in our industry that will help you with this. If I'm being honest, and they're good people, good companies. Most of us aren't set up for that. Most of us aren't set up for that. We skip all the things that actually work that we can control that are free and go right to the super expensive things. Like I do online marketing, right? I spend a lot of money on Facebook, Instagram, all these other places, but it's a very small portion of my marketing stuff. That's maybe 10 to 20% of all of the marketing that I do. Most of the marketing that I do, even at a $3 million thing, is me making an email campaign, me reaching out to past clients. I have my estimators go back through past estimates and jobs and call and email and things like that. I'm going to be very honest with you guys with this stuff. I do not want you guys to forsake all these great vendors in our industry. But if you don't do any of the things with your effort to get jobs and you jump right to paying a marketing company, you're going to fail. You're just going to fail. You're just going to fail. You need to do the things you don't want to do. You need to reach into your past clients. You need to go door to door. You need to just call up random numbers. You need to get out there and make it happen. People are not going to solve the lead issue for you. You will be sadly mistaken, right? This is not a, a dig at any of the marketers in our industry. This is a theme with everything, which is if you hire out bookkeeping, if you hire out marketing, if you hire out blueprint reading, things like that, 
these things are not solved for you. You still need to verify all of them. You need still need to track the data. You still need to hold them accountable. That's honestly what our industry is not good at. So, uh, David, I'm just using your question as another foil to talk about this stuff, but I'm just going to be honest with this entire industry, which is if you're any, any business size under a million and you're not using your effort to get jobs, you're going to fail. You're just going to fail. That is the truth about what we do. So Justin Cowles, good morning, my friend, Steve Lockwood, good friend, watcher of the show. <laughs> Armando Lopez, do you have your videos saved for us to watch later? Everything, everywhere, all the time. We got Instagram, we got Facebook, we got YouTube. It's all archived everywhere. My steps to professionalization, which you're looking at now, has all the hyperlinks. Um, the most complete up-to-date archive is going to be Facebook. If you go to the Ask a Painter Live Facebook page or search anywhere on there, you're going to find me. It's all there for you. So, Justin, appreciate the birthday wishes. Love that. Do, 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 do. All right, here we go. John Penu, what process do you have to track growth goals? I know the VTO is a structure for it, but I'm curious what thoughts you have to go through those targets. All right, so right here, uh, John, I'm going to, I know you probably have this document. I believe I sent this to you. There's this step, goal tracking, and there's this episode right here for goal tracking. And um, I give away my templates in those things. So not only do we kind of base, the VTO for me is a much longer range sort of thing. Um, but like the day-to-day, -day, the, the minute stuff, uh, I actually have a weekly goal tracker for the managerial accounting to make sure you're financially on track week by week. That's what I do. The traction in the VTO is, to me, it's more like visioning long-term stuff. Uh, but my goal tracker and job costing is what I do to make sure every day, week, month, and quarter uh, that we're on track for that stuff. So you can email me, nick at nickslavic.com, ask for my goal tracker, and I'll send you the uh, resources for that. Not a problem. Laura, <clears throat> currently working for someone else, but considering going out on my own, I'm great at estimating and production management and systemization, but not so much with financials. Who are the key professionals I need to tap to set up the smart financial planning system? So yeah, um, the, the thing that I do is you go into your network of people, your relationships, and if you know somebody who runs an accounting or bookkeeping firm or a tax planning firm, that you trust, start with them. If you don't have one of those people in your network, you go to the people you trust the most. And then you say, who do you use? Right. And I recently switched some of the people who do my, um, do my financials, uh, sip a coffee real quick here. Um, you want to reach out to your network. And what I did was I, I know a lot of accountants and bookkeepers and tax people, but I went to people that had businesses about my size and sometimes much larger and said, based on that, who do you trust? These are companies that I trust. And very quickly, we came across some names that I saw a lot of people mention. And then I ended up switching some of my uh, bookkeeping, taxes, and payroll to these other companies this year, just because I was outgrowing my other, my other companies. So yeah, but here's the deal, Laura. Uh, again, uh, the theme of this year, what you're going to hear Jason Paris and I talk about this year is we, it might sound like we're getting a little spicy with the industry, but the industry is at an inflection point where it needs some tough love, right? There's a point in a, in a young industry or a fragmented industry's life where it takes a lot of nurturing and caring and comfort, not solutions, right? We're entering the phase of this industry's growth where we're not going to be here to comfort you. We're here to give you solutions and you're going to need to make some very, very, very look in the mirror 
moments happen in your life, right? And Laura, again, I'm not uh, specifically talking about you because I don't have a depth of knowledge about who you are and your competencies. I'm just using your question as a foil to talk about this, which is the truth of this industry is, and any industry, is that only maybe 10, 12, 14% of all businesses in the United States have employees, right? A very small bit of the population actually has a business, runs a business. Our industry is made up of 99% of single owner operators. They take home $43,000 a year and they go out of business every 18 months. What this tells me is that you're probably a good painter. You can probably sell jobs and everything else you don't have a developed skill in. Here's the tough love. Here's the solutions, not comfort that people like me and the rest of the industry are going to be handing out over the next couple of years. Doesn't matter if you're good at it. Doesn't matter if you like it. Doesn't matter if you don't like it. It's got to be done. You hate taxes. It's still got to be done right? You don't have a choice. If you want to put your big boy and big girl pants on and be a true business owner that leaves a lasting legacy and has true profit and doesn't go out of business in a year and a half and doesn't make $43,000 a year, there's many things that you're going to have to solve. And it doesn't matter if you like to do them or not, or you're good at them or not. They just have to be done. This comes from the biggest place of love and caring because I would not be here or where I am today without people grabbing me by the neck and saying, Nick, we don't care what you feel, right? You can be frustrated. You could be shaking your fist at the universe. You can not like this. You can say, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to hire it out. And they say, guess what? If you don't actually do the work yourself, you're going to have to hold them accountable. And that's even harder. That's even harder. So my contribution to the industry going forward is going to be a reminder that working as an employee painter is different than going off your own and doing side jobs as painting and is much different than owning a business. It's not three steps that are equidistant from each other. If you're an employee painter, you have no risk. People tell you what to do. You have job, uh, you have a job guarantee. You're there. You can do horribly. You can ruin a house and you're still going to get paid. If you go off on your own, you're going to have to take on more risk. If you start your own business, you have to take on all the risk. You could potentially lose your house for the privilege of running a business. That's why these things are important. So Laura, I absolutely love the question. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm sorry to go on that tangent on your question, but it's a great question to use as that jumping off point for this conversation. So you guys will hear me talk much more about that. Laura, does your four day work week extend to painters? How does that uh, work with external schedules? Yes, people have lots of head trash about this. I've been doing a four day work week for my painters for about four years. Uh, yesterday was the first time that I had a four day work week. Now. You guys know what this means. Again, comfort or solutions, right? As a business owner, you don't have a four-day work week. You never will for the time and eternal. Because guess what? I turn in payroll Monday and a lot of things have to happen between last Monday and this Monday to make sure that payroll is met, right? But I do I do offer my leadership team a four-day work week. We started that for the first time ever in company history this last week. Um, the difference is Friday, yesterday, I worked from this home office right here. And I got to hang out and uh, see my family and uh, kids off to school and things like that. So um, the truth is um, you can have it all as a business owner. You can have time and you can have money. You just can't have it all right now, right? If you are an employee painter and you think you're going to start your own business and it's going to be easier, you're going to ruin your life. You are going to ruin your life. The things that have to happen outside of painting 
are so monstrous, especially when you start your own company, even just filing for an LLC or an S corp. It takes a mountain of effort. It takes time. It takes money. It takes all that other stuff. That's just one of the things that most people don't know they have to do. Starting a separate checking account, doing job costing, finding an accountant, doing quarterly taxes, legally filing, just a multitude of things. And this is me with as much love and empathy saying, most people aren't ready for this, right? But I love you guys. I love everybody's curiosity and just know that um, I'm here to help whatever you guys need, because people were there to help me. So uh, also uh, four day work week with, with externalities, people always, well, we work um, seven to five Monday through Thursday, right? And people say, well, people let you in the house at 7am. Yes. 99.9% .9 of all humans let us in. It's not a problem. It's never been an issue. <clears throat> and then people say, well, what happens when, uh, when you don't work Fridays? It's like, we just tell the clients we don't work Fridays. But we also back it up with a sentence that says, so that we can give our people more time with their friends and family. And if a client pushes back on that and says, that's BS, you need to be here Friday, we say, maybe you're not one of our clients. Maybe you shouldn't be one of our clients because we're doing this for work-life balance for our people. And if that's not something you're going to respect, we're not going to respect our relationship, right? Joseph, good morning, my friend. Uh, here we go. Steve Lockwood, is there one thing that you took from craftsperson painter to business owner? Is there a one thing? Um. I'll try to interpret this question here. Um, there is one thing that really, really helped and translated from me being a master craftsperson to a business owner early on, which was work ethic, like willing to just put in a hundred hour week if we had to, right? Now, second part of that is now you have a big professional business. I would argue anything over two or three million bucks, that work ethic is actually going to hurt you, right? Because we tend to use that work ethic to patch all the problems in the business and not create systems and processes and delegate to others to help us with that. And then we face burnout and then things don't go well. So um, it's a it's a transition that I'd have, I'm, I had to make and I'm still making over the last couple of years, which is founder scaler grower is a firefighter and cowboy position you have to have a high pain tolerance you have to work a thousand hours a week you have to take all the risk and that's great that's the only way to grow a business right and typically then once your business professionalizes that actually hurts the business and you need to be a consistent boring just like non-extreme manager right and i'm i've been trying to make that transition it's a tough thing when you have a personality that's as sort of like extreme as mine but it's working uh, it's actually working and I'm slowly getting energy from these mundane, boring, unsexy things that I know produces an amazing result for my people. Like the more consistent I've been with basic things, office hours, accountability, uh, the few meetings that we have, a system and a process each week where we review invoices and job costing and we have one-on-ones to make sure people feel supported and accountability, accountability and things like that. Our, my business has been getting amazing results from it. And in turn, I get energy from that. Although in the moment, some of these things, what I want to do is grower, founder, scaler, uh, moonshots, grass is always greener, shiny objects. That's fine, but it's not, it's not a thing that helps my business right now. So making that transition is big. So I will say this, the thing that helps you the most in the beginning is the thing that will kill you in the end is that work ethic and that pain tolerance. Good morning, Mark Adams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's see. 
<laughs> Chris Zook, I'm really needing help with developing and implementing the use of a project coordinator. Um, in, in my team development, um, portion here, I go through that entire thing. So I can give you, uh, my employment agreement. I can give you my SOP, but it's going to be one of those things where it's not a mystery, Chris. And, and I think this is the base of your, um, uh, question. It's not a mystery what you need a project coordinator or project manager to do, right? Uh, typically the production side of your business, it takes a client, it takes labor and paint and connects those three things, right? No mysteries of the universe here. Nobody's doing anything insanely innovative there. Now, there's a whole bunch of boring, mundane, unsexy things that happen to connect all those to make sure your clients are happy in between high velocity communication, professional communication, consistent communication, things like that, uh, standards and procedures for that. But, uh, you know, the access to information is not the barrier here because I will give you all that stuff if, if I have not already. But uh, otherwise, we'll uh, happy to help you with that with any questions you have. But really, the success in any employee you hire is a job description, a pay scale that incentivizes them to follow the needs of the business, a goal setting and review process for them, and then daily accountability. And that's, uh, if we're being honest, the things that most of us are not really good at and need to develop. Jesse Allen, Jason Paris built the company out of door knocking and still does. You're absolutely right. Dustin, thanks for the honest answer. You know, man, that's what we're here for. So people, people come to ask a painter for solutions and not comfort, right? Like I'm here to comfort a lot of people a lot of the time, but really I'm here for solutions. And that's why you guys are here too. Um, you guys know that we lead, uh, this, this show gets touchy feely a lot, right? We talk about the human condition, the, the, the emotional side of being a business owner, but you guys know what you're coming here for, which is I'm not going to sugarcoat any of this stuff, right? If somebody put a wood, would have put bumpers on my lanes as I was growing and given me lots of hugs and comfort, I would not be where I am today. Now, there were people who did a little bit of that, but then also said, you need to get your shit together, man. Whether you like this or not, you got to do it. And so you need to make a decision. Are you going to do it or not? Because the real world doesn't care about that. There are results. There are real results from what you do. And nobody cares about what you feel about it. You either do it or you don't. You either do it well or you do it bad. Just move on. And at some point, you just got to get out there and do it, right? John Samus, this is great. Accountability is challenging. And these are the points that many others need to hear. Absolutely. Yep. There's some real things. I mean, again, one of the one of the best things, I keep bringing up Jason Paris, but he's been integral in, in my growth as a human and a business owner here. And one thing that you guys need to know is that long ago, he just took me aside, put his arm on my shoulder and said, this is hard. If it feels hard, it is. And it's, I'm not going to make it easier for you. The world isn't going to make it easier for you. If you want to be a big boy, big girl business owner, it's just hard, right? Only a few percentage of people in the United States ever do what we do as business owners. And even fewer percentage do it well. And that's just the honest truth, guys. It's just the honest truth. If, if accountability, if consistency, if any of the things on the steps to professionalization feel gross or uninteresting to you, you might have to go work for somebody else. That's just the honest truth about everything we do here, right? It's the honest truth. Mark Adams. Love Mark Adams. We just uh, brought 90% of our marketing in-house after years of avoiding the extra work. We knew what uh, <laughs> to do. We're just not. Leads are exploding using free social media and paid, uh, and paid boosting. So here's the deal, folks. What Mark is saying, too, is... <sighs> It may be frustrating. We may think that everybody else has the solutions for us, but I would ask you guys, how many times in your life have you taken out your wallet, extended the things in that wallet, the money to other people, and things just magically got solved 
without any of your intervention or things got done better than you ever could have. As a business owner, you can't do everything, but you have to manage everything, right? And after 16 years in business, I took all my marketing in-house minus a few, I, I have vendors that help me with stuff, but in my 13 ways, I think I have three or four vendors in there, but they do micro, th excuse me, they do micro things and I hold them accountable to the highest regard. In fact, even with my mailers, I make a spreadsheet. I route out every postal code in my area. I tell them which postal code needs to get delivered where, how many flyers that is, what the printing cost is. I have them verified, and then I hold them accountable to it every single week. I don't open my wallet, hand them my credit card, and say, please give me leads. That never works. That never works, right? So we're seeing a trend in the industry where... We're testing out to see if all these people can solve problems for us. And it's not that they can't help be part of the solution, but they are not going to do it all for you folks. And that's not their job either. It's not their job, right? It's not their job. Keith Murphy, respect the real talk about business owner realities, not just sugar and lollipops. <laughs> yeah, I get you, man. Ooh, here we go. Efren, good friend, Efren. Love Efren. What are your thoughts on employee versus sub model considering the real take-home money and the benefits of the subs and the people they employ? Well, here's the deal, Efren. I, I think of it, it, I would like a shift in the entire conversation of subs and W-2 employees. And in fact, you know, they call that like a hybrid model, right? W-2s and subs. We actually have a tribrid model in my company, which is we have full-time W-2s, we have part-time W-2s, and then we have subcontractors. And those things are almost, not by hours work, but by mass of humanity, about three equal things in my business. So here's here's the actual reality. And, and I, I think what you might be getting at, Efren, is are we okay morally with giving a percentage of the jobs to subcontractors, knowing that a smaller percentage goes to the labor of those subcontractors. And I will say, this is a capitalist economy. Uh, this is a free market economy. People will choose or not choose to do things. If uh, my subcontractors have absolutely no problem looking me in the face and say, we're not doing that job for that money. And then we'll say, peace be on to you. That's perfectly fine. This is a really well-priced job. It's a great job and it is what it is. But because of job costing, because of benchmarks, we have to stick, uh, we have to have labor be a certain percentage. Otherwise, this business goes out of business, right? And that's why instead of the sub versus W-2, I like sub and W-2 because each one does something better than the other one. Each one does something faster than the other one. There's pros and cons. And to me, instead of saying, well, we have one solution for all of our clients in my company, we've actually grown a system where there's three solutions for anybody, uh, any one of our clients. And it's a, it's a pretty good system. And I, I know what you're saying, Efren, and this is something that me and my team think about every day. Um, this freedom machine that we're building, we want to afford as much time and money freedom to everybody. And not just me and my leadership team, not just me and my, my master craftspeople, my beloved humans, not just to my part-time, but to my subcontractors, my trade partners as well too. We freaking love these people. These people are just like salt of the earth people, just like us. We're business owners. We're master craftspeople. We all work together. We all want the same thing. So I would argue in the end, having a robust, large, professional, consistent business that turns off lots of profit, you can actually charge more for business, for paint jobs, right? And for your service with a whole bunch of value add. And in turn, um, let's just say if we give 50% 
to the subcontractors in my business. My 50% is going to be a hell of a lot better than other people's 50% because I have a metric-based bidding system and I know what the market rate is for all my jobs. So you may, uh, some of the argument, I know this is not what you're saying, Efren, but again, I'm using your question to, to get into this thing, which is, well, if you're only giving your subs a percentage, is that fair to them? I'll say in my business, it's absolutely fair because my 50% is a hell of a lot different than most other people's 50%, right? <clears throat> We've been able to attract some of the better talent in Minnesota because we we can't give people the entire job, right? Because that's just a, a nonprofit. It's a charitable organization. Every person gives W-2s a portion of the revenue. They give subcontractors a portion of the revenue, right? Our, I would argue, based on data and feelings, that our percentage is a hell of a lot higher than most other people's around here because we run a big professional business and we track all the data. So, Efren, you, I love this question. I love this debate. I would really urge us all to do sub and W-2, frame the discussion, versus subs versus W-2, that sort of thing. So, you know, I appreciate you, man. Uh, one of the better guys in the industry is, if you guys don't know Efren, uh, inspirational dude. Absolutely love that guy. Mark Blackhurst, how you doing, my friend? Anthony Cade, good friend Anthony Cade. It's the hardest, most gratifying thing I've ever done. Can't wait for the expo to get our butts kicked with tools and info. You got it, man. It's awesome. <clears throat> Tim, oh, good friend Tim. Uh, are you able to keep all your craftspeople working 40 hours per week throughout the year? Yes. Uh, and, and in fact, um, what's interesting is that this is going to be a long way around explaining this, but uh, there's... Again, Tim, I'm going to have your question be a springboard for other stuff, which is when people say, what do you charge for X? How do you get leads? How do you do marketing? Who should do my bookkeeping? How do you schedule? How do you get uh, 40 hours a week uh, for people? How do you hold people accountable? If somebody keeps showing up late at work, what are you supposed to do with that? I'm going to be very upfront and honest right now. You do all the steps, excuse me, down below, all the steps to professionalization. Magically, you don't have to deal with a lot of this stuff, right? A business with an ecosystem of professionalism just doesn't deal with as much of this as other businesses, right? If everything is written down, if everything is documented, if everything is adhered to, if everything is held accountable to, and you run a consistent, predictive professional business, magically you just run into a lot less of all this. Because we have SOPs, because we have an estimating process, because we have deliverables and standards, because we have job costing, because we track our goals, we're just better at marketing. We're better at finding leads. We're better at consistency. And not only do we keep our people busy for 40 hours a year, I've had an unlimited overtime policy for over 16 years and we can't beg people to work enough. I have the opposite problem. I want my people to work more so that they can buy their first houses, uh, get vehicles, get get uh, financial stability for their families. And not a lot of people take me up on it. Now, this is not a judgment thing. I completely respect the work-life balance. Uh, but if I did not own a house, if I did not own stable transportation and I was growing a young family, I was putting in about 80 hours a week to afford that first down payment on a house and, and to become financially soluble. Uh, early on in my in my life. So it's actually the opposite. Yeah, we we need more labor. We ran into a crunch in December where we're booked out too far. So again, good problems to have, Tim. Uh, but I will say it's not one thing. It's not a magic Facebook lead source. It's basically, I have done all these boring, mundane, unsexy things, my three things a day for the last six years. And magically, we've grown a very stable base where clients and employees and subcontractors all react better to it all. And you just get a better result all around. And it was a big realization that I had early on, which was I had the mentality of moonshots only, right? If I want my people to get 40 hours a week, there's going to be some magic app. There's going to be some magic piece of effort 
that solves it all, that solves it all. And it's not, it's 82 boring, un, mundane, unsexy things that we do very consistently to produce a soup that is just better off, better off. So <clears throat> Todd Hill, good friend, Todd Hill, what's your process for screening subs? Well, here's the deal. It's a very simple thing, which is uh, I ask my paint reps uh, for recommendations. I go into my network and ask for recommendations and I post on social media asking for recommendations. And then what I do is you need to send me a W-9 and a certificate of insurance with my name on it. And we're going to get that vetted before we set up a meeting. I want to know that you are a professional business, a legal business, just like me, before we're going to enter into any uh, relationship. What always happens with subcontractors, let me just take a, another sip here. What happens with subs is you post on social media, you say, hey, I'm looking for some trade partners uh, to do some work together. And they're like, great, give me a time. Let's get together and start showing me some jobs. And I will say, I appreciate that. We'll do that. You need to send me a W-9 and you need to send me a certificate of insurance first. And they're like, great, I'll bring that with me to the meeting. I say, no, you won't. I want to look at your W-9 and verify it. I'm also going to send your certificate of insurance to my commercial insurance company and they vet them for me to make sure your levels are there, to check if it's current, all that other stuff. And then once that all checks out, then we set up a meeting. I'm not discussing jobs or a partnership if you're not a legal business or you're not in le good legal standing. When we meet in person, I set expectations very, very soundly. I learn about the other business. I see what they're good at, what they're bad at. And we start discussing some jobs. We usually start off small, see how they interact with clients, see how they communicate and see what their work level is. Uh, and at that meeting, we do give them our subcontractor agreement, which is a two-page document. It's basically just a boilerplate legal thing with a couple other things uh, from um from my company, but we have it vetted um, every year by a lawyer to make sure that we're up to date on the most uh, current subcontracting rules. Because this is a thing based on politics can change year to year. There's different um, appetites for leniency and sternness within that. So I get it checked out every year. So yep, that's that's my process. Steve Lockwood, I think someone everybody should remember that we are not a clone of each other's business, that we are different, but we can all have similar foundations, uh, but we make custom modifications. That is a great summary. That is a great summary. So you can say, well, listen, I don't want to be a Jason Paris. I don't want to be a $10 million residential repaint company. It's like, well, you're going to have to do a lot of the things he does. It may not look exactly like Jason. You're not going to have custom software, but guess what? All those things do exist and they have to be done whether you like to it or not, or whether you like it or not. So that is just the truth of it. So let me scan for any more questions we have here, folks. Um, all right. Uh, we'll go through here. Uh, this is your last chance to get in any questions live, folks. I'm going to hit on a few. Uh, I'm going to hit on a few uh, events and things here. Let me just get into my. Do, 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 do. <laughs> All right, some events coming up here, right? So uh, we have. Uh, I'm going to actually be at the Sherwin Williams National Sales Meeting coming up, presenting to the Canadian contingent. Uh, there's about fifteen thousand people from Sherwin heading down to Orlando. Uh, in a week or two here. And I'm going to be there presenting to a large portion of their leadership. Uh, we have veteran service brands down in Florida that same week that I'll be down there with Burgess Perry and all of his franchises and things like that. I'll be there with them. We have their winter retreat coming up. And I have, I'm, uh, 
yes, those are Royal blue track suits. I have some special gifts for people. We also are getting all our merch and our, our packets together for that. Really looking forward to this winter retreat. It's going to be awesome. We have Expo, as you guys know. This would be the kindest thing you can do for me is go to that. There will also be some scholarships announced as well. Um, we have set aside some funding from our educational fund to send first-time Expo people to there at a reduced or free cost. So more to follow. If you want any questions or if you want any more info about that, you can contact the PCA. I have a Chicago's master's class, 6 March, and you're going to have to contact your Sherwin-Williams rep. These, these events, these, these certain batch of events is going to be from Sherwin-Williams. And the only way to get there, I don't have a code. I don't have a registration. You got to talk to your Sherwin-Williams rep. Um, they're not like private and invite only, but Sherwin-Williams wants to vet who's there uh, and support their largest, best, most interesting contractors. So Chicago's master's class, 6 March. We have St. Louis master's class, 13 March. We have a Vancouver master's class, potentially three to four in April. Uh, that That is going to still be kind of like rounded out. Uh, there's the summer retreat, which is 13 to 16 August. Applications will open up after the next um, uh, after the next uh, retreat, the winter retreat. And me and Hannah just booked the SoCal uh, Surf Prep Master's class. This is one of my favorite of the year. 27 September. It's going to be awesome. Huge party at the owner's house, things like that. It's a, it's a great thing. The surf prep people are just world-class humans. So, all right. And folks, please kindest favor on earth. A lot of you guys have been longtime followers, listeners. We've, we've, we've gone from connections to friends over the years and you guys can't give me any more reviews, right? I give all my stuff away for reviews. The thing that I'm asking for now is to join me in the PCA, right? I am your board chair of a 140 year old organization that builds better contractors. We are tirelessly working. I probably put 20 hours a week towards the PCA right now to make sure that this 140 year old organization not only survives, but prospers into the future. And I have one of the most amazing board of directors there. We have the Maggie Kuypers. We have the Dave Graham. We have the Jason Paris. We have the Chris Elliott's. We have the Juan Vasquez. We have people from Sherwin-Williams and Benjamin Moore, our champion sponsors on there, executive level people that are there. We have our executive director, our new executive uh, director, the interim one, Jill. One of the most amazing humans we've ever seen. The PCA support staff, the operations staff, these people are working tirelessly every day. You'll never see it. You'll never know it. Expo is a monumental effort. There's going to be 3,000 hours poured into the expo planning this year to make sure that food, audio, visual, content, speakers, logistics, all this stuff happens, right? The kindest thing you can do is going to be self-serving. This is not a thing where it's going to be painful to you, where it's going to be charitable. This will help you in an immediate an amazing way in 2024. And if this is going to be the year where something actually happens to move you forward, instead of all the years in the past where you've made plans, you, this is the year we're going to get it together and you find yourself in the same place, it's going to be this. It's going to be joining me in the PCA, the Painting Contractors Association, and it's going to be heading to the expo with me. And personally, I will guarantee you, things in your business will get done. You meet the people in the, at, at, in the PCA, you go to the expo, you meet them, you will have connections. You will have lifelines to people all across the country who like, uh, like we were one of the questions, what's your goal setting look like? I could put you in contact with six people that'll hand you over their templates and coach you through them all for free. People that have businesses 20 times larger than yours that are servant leaders in this industry. So right now, tons of people watching IG, Facebook, all that other stuff right now, everybody stop what you're doing and share, just share, put it in your story, put it in your feed put it in all those painter groups. I'm, I'm, I'm a member of like 132 painter groups, right? 
Get this show in every single one of those. Get this show in every single one of those, right? Steve Lockwood. Oh, yeah. Efren, for those who want to get better leads and charge more for paint jobs, what are the steps you recommend to take? Understanding, accomplishing this takes time. Yeah, Efren, this is a, I, I have the entire, uh, you know, if you go to the steps to professionalization here, one of the things that I talk about is the marketing system here on uh, show three, uh, the last one I did, I think that's got to be updated. I think I have a show in the 390s based on that. But um, I basically go through a system where I've done all the things, right? I've, I've spent the ton of money and hoped it solved for me and that didn't work. We've shifted it to another hybrid model, which is I use some effort, some paid sources, and we mix them all together. The, the general strategy of my marketing right now is many little things done consistently all the time instead of I'm going to dump all my money into Angie's list and just hope it all works like that. So much longer um, conversation, but Efren, you got my email address as big business owner to big business owner. If you ever want to collaborate on any of that, you know, I'm here for you, man. Appreciate it. So all right, everybody. Oh, love this. Love this. Love this. Love this. Okay, everybody. Thank you for watching in, on Instagram. Thank you for watching on LinkedIn. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Thank you for watching on Facebook. I appreciate all of you. Let's, let's have this year be the year where we just do it, right? There, th everything that you want to get done this year is going to be simple. It's going to be mundane. It's going to be unsexy. A lot of it isn't going to help. Or a lot of it is going to be things you don't want to do. If you do them, you're going to win. All right. This is diet and exercise. There's no mysteries. If we want to get fit, if we want to get muscular, if we want to look like Brad Allison without a shirt on, you eat less and you move more. All right. But yet books, courses, gyms, it's this unsolvable thing. The limiting factor for all that is our ability to be consistent and do a bunch of very unsatisfying, boring, mundane things over and over and over again. Business is no different, folks. I wanted moonshots. I wanted a magic app. I wanted a human to solve this all for me. It doesn't exist. You have to do it. If you want the privilege of the profit of running a profitable business, there's a bunch of things you have to do that you don't have to do when we're all employees of other people, right? It's just the truth here. So go forth, do the good things, do the boring things, do the mundane things, do the unsexy things, and do them constantly every day. And I'm here to support you along with every other human in the PCA. So have a great day, folks. Have a good weekend and get out there and take care of your people. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.